0: Thank you for tuning into the Freedom Church podcast, where you can catch our Sunday sermon on demand at any time. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content that's shared every week at our local church in Round Rock, Texas. Here's this week's sermon. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. So good to be here at Freedom Church this morning. Uh, My name is Philip Price. I'm uh, pastor of Calvary Assembly of God in Carlsbad, New Mexico, and uh, yeah, I'm uh, your pastor, and I've been friends for many, many years. Uh, we used to be in a in a carnival together that traveled, and uh, and I ran the the uh, the teacup ride, and he sang a duet with a bearded lady, and it was just it was, and then, and then Jennifer rescued him, and anyway, it, we've known each other a long time, and so anyway, it is a great honor to be here today. Uh, I every time I come here, how many of you have been here when I've been here before? I mean, a few. Wow, a lot of faces. Don't know. So years ago, Pastor Benito and I were on staff together at a church in the Dallas area. And that's where I first met Sonia and Wade and many of the others that are here. And uh, and so then we both went different directions. And I remember the day very clearly. I was pastoring my church, and I've been there. be 12 years in a couple of weeks. And I remember the day when Pastor Benito called me. And he was sitting in the Ross parking lot up here at I guess was that Miller's Crossing is that what that's called up there, somewhere up there. Anyway, right, he sat in the Ross parking lot. I guess Jennifer was doing some shopping, and um, and he told me about something that God put on his heart to plant a church in Round Rock, Texas. And I told him that day. I said, whenever you're ready, I. My church will be the first church to support you to get started in that. And I'll, And so every time I come here and I see all that God is doing and all the stuff with the building and all that, I celebrate, but I can't help but sit here every, every time I come here and speak and look at all that God has done and how it began with a, a dream and a vision that God put in the heart of an individual, your pastor, Pastor Benito. But I want to tell you something before I go any further. Your pastor, you guys, I'm so excited. I was looking at the plans out here for the building and all of that. How many of you are excited about this new building project? Man, let me tell you something. That's exciting. We went through one a few years ago ourselves. And But, let man, let me tell you something. Your pastor needs, needs you like never before. I know he's already talked to you about money stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is as a pastor, whether you have ever thought about this or not, the job that we have is very challenging very pressure packed, has high expectations. As a pastor, I'm speaking for myself. I'm expected to be a Bible scholar. I'm expected to be a prayer warrior. I'm expected to be a genius counselor. I'm expected to be a financial guru. I'm expected to uh, be, at the same time, a great father and a great husband and all of the different things that you do as a pastor. And then on top of that, now to throw a building program on there. So it's a a huge season of time, and I'll, I'll say that to tell you, Two things, be there for your pastor. He's gonna be walking through and he's gonna feel like he's kind of in his own sometimes because he is. Give him extra grace, give him extra support, give him extra love. Say, pastor, how can I help you? What do you need done right now? But most of all, pray for your pastor. Can you do that? Let's pray for Pastor Benito and Jennifer right now. Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. And Father, I just pray, Lord, for Pastor Benito and Jennifer, Lord, that you would just surround them with people that will help them. Lord, that will walk through them. There are some things that people can take off of their plates, and there are some things that they have to walk out with their eyes upon you. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, for Benito right now, that there would be a grace and anointing to walk this process out. And we thank you, Lord. Now, Father, I pray, Lord, that as I preach your word today, Lord, that you would just speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you ready to hear the word of the Lord this morning? Amen. Yeah. Okay, y'all are a little bit better, more awake than first service. You ready to hear the word of the Lord this morning? There, there we go. Not right. <laughs> I want I, to do something today that uh, maybe no one's ever introduced this way, but I want to go really deep into God's word. Can I do that this morning? I, I mean, I'm, I'm really going to go somewhere. And so what I'm going to need to do is I'm going to need to lead us down a path to set it up. But once we get there, it's like with God's word, it, it'll, it's mind-blowing. Because one thing that you realize when we look at stuff like this is that this is not man's writing. Oh, yeah, a man had a pen in his hand, but the Holy Spirit was inspiring him. Because this stuff is mind-blowing. Um, I love these glimpses in Scripture where, um, where it gives us kind of an insight about behind the scenes. You know, one of the things that I do as, as, uh, in, in New Mexico is I teach for our school of ministry, our district school of ministry, and one of the classes that I teach is the Old Testament survey class. And I tell these students that are getting their ministry credentials that you can see more about Jesus in the Old Testament than you can in the New Testament. There's so much there, foreshadows and types and all of these really cool things um, because here's the thing. If you remember the movie The, Spirit of, uh, the Wizard of Oz, um, notice that when they pulled back the curtain, there was a lot of letdown and disappointment. Well, God's Word is kind of the same way. The Old Testament really uh, pulls back the curtain and shows us some things that is very, very powerful and God's Word will never let us down. And so what I'm going to show you today may sound crazy and you may say, of course a pastor would say that, but what I'm going to show you today will show you something above and beyond about why you should be strive to be in church as much as you can. Why you should strive to be in God's Word as much as you can. Because after you hear this today, you're going to totally look at this uh, different for the rest of your life. So now, this scripture is—it's is, a picture that helps me. Uh, well, I tell you what. Before I do that, I'm gonna—I'm sh- gonna have them in just a second put a picture up on the screen. Now I'm gonna give you the, the backstory behind this. This picture is a picture that, as a pastor, I have to. There are some things that we, as pastors, we have to preach or teach on that's harder topics than others. And when I'm preparing every week, and your pastor too, Pastor Benito. When he's preparing, every week pre- preparing his sermon, he already knows before he gets here on Sunday morning which kind of sermons he's going to preach that the Lord has put on his heart, where everybody's going to be going, "Woo, that's awesome, good word, Pastor Benito, Woo, that's good. And then there's ones where you know it's going to be real quiet in the room. You know, like tithing or, you know, everybody's like. So, in the, the you know, we, as pastors, we're called to deal with things that people don't want to hear about. We all want to hear about God's blessing. Woo, woo. But then we start dealing with tough stuff. And, man, it's like we're up here and we're and it's hard. In those moments, I always get this in my mind. It's kind of a me imagining behind the scenes. Look at this picture. Now t- I'll tell you about this picture. This picture is, a, I, the, where I first saw this picture. I was a youth pastor at a church. And I was in the pastor's office a lot, usually because I was in trouble for doing something bad as a youth pastor. And, uh, and I would always look at that, that picture, and I would always remember that no matter what I'm doing, no matter what I'm preaching, no matter what the response is from people that I'm preaching, that heaven is backing God's word, no matter what the truth of his word is. And so I, I show you that as an example. Uh, you can pull that down. But there's something that I wish that everybody would imagine, especially we preachers that preach God's Word, something that goes on behind the scenes in the spirit realm when you sit under the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Now, this is going to be an approach that you've never heard before, but I want you to imagine something. You know, when we... There are a lot of things that we do by faith, and we have to trust that what, what you know while you're in here and you're hearing God's Word, that something is going on behind the scenes that is going to be really revolutionary for how you think about things. So oftentimes, two people have devalued being consistent in church attendance. But after we finish today, you're going to understand things totally, totally different. Um, I need to be in church. You need to be in church. We need to be in church because god's not done with me yet so now what i want to do is i want to quote a couple of passages of scripture for you and then we're going to jump right into his word up on the screen john chapter one famous passage of scripture in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and then in verse 14 it says and the word became flesh and walked among us and we beheld his glory And in other words, when it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, when it writes out that word, W-O-R-D, it uses capital W. In other words, Jesus Christ was not born 2,000 years ago. He always was. In the beginning. When was the beginning? In the beginning, eternity past. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and then 2,000 years ago, He made his dwelling among us and walked among us. In other words, the eternal word of God, the living word of God, stepped out of his place in heaven and walked among us. We know him as Jesus Christ. But he is the living, the living word of God. Now, Ephesians chapter 5 also tells us that, that, that God's word washes us. We are washed by the water of the word. Okay, now watch this. I want you to open up to 1 John chapter 5. Now, we're going to put up on the screen 1 John chapter 5. Now, today we're going to see something very powerful about what goes on behind the scenes. And this is going to be an encouragement. And forever you're going to remember this. And before we leave today... I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna get you to say something to Pastor Benito every time he gets up here and preach. He's gonna get mad at me for saying this, but that's okay. But I want you to give me a couple of minutes to set this up. Now watch this. First John chapter five, the Apostle John is writing this letter and he's trying to validate and show the proof that Jesus was the Messiah. And he says in 1 John five, beginning in verse six, it says, "This is He," talking about Jesus. "This is He." who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by the water and the blood. Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit, capital S, is truth. For there are three that testify. In other words, there are three witnesses. The Spirit and the water and the blood. And now imagine if there was a courtroom scene and you had different witnesses up and they told the story that matched exactly what happened. That's what it's saying here. There are three that testify about who, you know, Jesus came to fulfill many roles. Uh, all of the different roles that jesus did you know when when he when uh he he was he was he was the lamb that was foreshadowed in the old testament that was slain and all of these different things that he came you know uh, jesus didn't begin his ministry until he was 30 years old the reason why is because in order to fulfill the role of the old testament high priest uh, he had to be at least 30 years of age and all of these different things that were talked about in the old testament they were foreshadows of what he would do and it says that these three agree in other words These three things validate that Jesus was who everyone was saying that he was. In other words, Jesus was the center of everything. In your Old Testament, all of the Old Testament, all of the rules and the regulations and the worship and the sacrifices and all of the laws, all of those things are there. They're not a waste of time. They're not to help you go to sleep at night. They are there to point to Jesus and what he would do in his life, in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, in his second coming. Now watch this. Jesus was the word from the beginning. He is the manna that came down for us. The bread of life, as he said, that come down from heaven. He was the ark of the covenant. He was the veil that was torn. He is the water of the word that washes us, as I just quoted from Ephesians chapter 5. He was the lamb that was slain, whose blood saves us. And and he was the great high priest who would forever intercede for us. In other words, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, that he lived among us and he was in all points tested yet without sin so that whenever you and I go to him and we're struggling with something because of his time in humanity, he can relate and and intercedes for us to the Father. What a cool thought that Jesus Christ himself uh, intercedes for you and I. Now, here's the thing. Follow me for a second. John chapter 9. I'm setting this up and we're going somewhere with this. John chapter 19, we're going to pick up when Jesus was still hanging on the cross, and yet he was dead. Watch this. John chapter 19, verse 31. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Now, let me stop and explain something. If you go back and read through the Old Testament, there are all these prophecies about details about Jesus' life. There are the major ones and then there's all these smaller ones and in the book of psalms It tells us that one of the things about jesus is that not one of his bones would be broken So in this moment right here, they would go out. Well, let me finish reading this Verse 32, so the soldiers came back and broke the legs of the first and the other who had been crucified with him But when they came to jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. Now, in this moment, as these witnesses watch, Jesus' side is pierced with a spear, and out of that piercing came two things that it says in 1 John 5 that testified about who he was, the blood and the water with the confirmation of the Holy Spirit. Now, just so you'll know, over the years, I've heard all kinds of scientific explanations about what happened here in this moment, that, that because Jesus was under such physical shock in his body that his heart it was encapsulated by a sack of water. And so when this uh, soldier pierced his side with a spear, that blood and water came out. And that's cool, whatever that means. But the fact of the matter is that what we've just read, I believe, is simply one more fulfillment. One, These three agree that Jesus was the fulfillment of something significant today. Jesus, in this moment, was already dead, and when they pierced him with his spear, the fact that blood and water came out of his side was further witness that he fulfilled the prophecy of the great high priest. Now, let me explain this. This is very significant, because the, the role of the great high priest, uh, according to, to God's plan, had ended after this, and Jesus... Be- is became our eternal great high priest. That's what the whole book of Hebrews is about, is about the high priesthood of Jesus. Now, he has, as a high priest and as our great shepherd, has ordained certain individuals, your pastor is one of them, I am one of them, as we call under shepherds, or we are the, the assistants of the high priest, and he has uh, placed us in our position to do his work. The further witness of what he came to do for us and in us, and he will continue to do in us. I'm going to show you this. Watch. Now, we're going to Leviticus chapter 14, and we're going to stay there for the rest of our time. If you're not there, just turn over to Leviticus 14. We're going to put it up on the screen, too. Now, before I read this, I'm just going to be real honest with you. I'm a person just like you, and I remember days of reading Leviticus, and I remember saying to myself, I know this is God's word, but this is boring. I don't understand this stuff, and unfortunately what happens today is there are even many uh, pastors and teachers that will tell people not to read your Old Testament because that doesn't apply to us anymore. But the fact of the matter is is you and I cannot understand the depth of all that Paul said in the New Testament and all that Jesus talked about and all the significance of Jesus' life, death, burial, resurrection, second coming. We can't understand any of that unless we see what he fulfilled from the Old Testament. It gives us depth. And so in this passage of Scripture that we're about to read, we're going to read part of the law that God gave Moses with dealing with many areas. In, in the book of Leviticus, you see all of these things. They're, they're dealing with, with the food laws, what you can and can't eat, clean and unclean. It looks at sacrifices. It looks at all these annual feasts. Uh, that, the, that the Jews had to partake in to be obedient to God. And you're reading and you're like, man, this is good stuff to make me go to sleep at night or whatever. But the, but it was not just some religious rules and ritual, but rather there were spiritual pictures that were painted for us of bigger truth that once again pointed to the cross. Now here, the, before I go into this next part, understand a simple truth when you're reading your Bible. Anything that had to do with worship in the Old Testament, I'm not talking about worship singing, I'm talking about sacrifices, feasts, all of those things, all the tabernacle, the t- all that stuff, all of those, anything that was done outwardly in the physical has a spiritual application in the New Testament. Everything in the physical has a spiritual application after the cross. The book of Leviticus deals with all of this Old Testament ritual and offerings and purification under the law and clean and unclean foods and it gives guidelines for the priest Uh, The pastors and and through all of these religious acts down to the tiniest details God reveals to us how well thought out his mission to redeem us How big his love for us was how big his plans for us This particular chapter in leviticus is dealing with a person that has experienced leprosy Now let me explain that because it's very very significant that you understand leprosy not only for this chapter But anytime in scripture Leprosy is not something that we deal with in our world today, but leprosy was a, a horrible disease that in ancient times when people got leprosy, they were separated from the rest of the community. They were put out in these leper colonies, and what would happen is they would have, whenever they decided, and they lived with other lepers, and when they decided to go into the community uh, to do shopping or, or get food, whatever they needed to do, They would wrap their bodies in all of this clothing, so only their eyes showed, for fear that somebody else might come in contact with them, because leprosy was spread by touching the flesh of another person. So what happened is, is they would go into a city, and they would, they would, they were required by law in all cultures to yell unclean, unclean, and so they would run, and everybody would like part like the red sea, get out of the way of the leper. Um, the well, this disease was so bad. What would happen is it would People would, their fingers would start falling off and toes and ears and noses, all of their appendages. And it was something that while the disease itself may not kill them, usually they would get some kind of infection that would ultimately kill them. And so when you got leprosy, death was imminent. It was just a matter of, of, of how much time it, w- w- it was going to happen. So in Leviticus chapter 14 right here that we're about to read, it's dealing with lepers that, well, we'll just watch this, look at verse 1. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest and the priest shall go out of the camp. In other words, out from the community of God's people, okay, shall go out of the camp and the priest shall look. Then if the case of leprous disease is healed, everybody say healed, is healed in the leprous person. The priest shall come, uh, shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed. Now notice here we just said healed. Now it says he's to be cleansed, okay? Two live, clean birds, cedar wood, and scarlet yarn and hyssop. Hyssop was like cotton. And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds. Remember, there are two birds. One bird in an earthenware vessel. In other words, this ceramic pot. And he's to do it with this pot's full of fresh water. And he's to kill a bird over the fresh water so that his blood drips into the water. Okay? And he shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet hyssop and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed ...of the leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean... ...and let the living bird go... ...into an open field. What? Why in the world would God... ...put all this stuff in the Bible? Well, I'm about to show you. This passage of Scripture... ...paints a very powerful prophetic picture... ...for you and I. A complete picture of one of the more things... ...that was done through the cross... ...that God desires for his people... Beyond salvation, God desires for each and every one of us beyond the moment when we give our life to Jesus Christ. He He desires that we're not just saved, but that we're sanctified. Now that's a fancy word, but let me explain what that means. In other words, the moment when I give my life to Jesus Christ, if you were to, um, if 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 the Bible uses this in the Book of Isaiah that my my clothing is stained. Clothing in scripture always represents a person's spiritual condition. Uh, my, my clothing was stained, but the book of Psalms tells us that he gave us a robe of righteousness. In other words, he covered my sin. So the day when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I went spiritually behind the scenes, behind the curtain, from death to life. In other words, the moment I gave my life to Christ, five minutes before that, I was eternally dead spiritually. The moment I surrendered my life to Christ, I became eternally alive forevermore. I... In 50 years, I will never be more saved than I am now. Either I am or I ain't. I'm from Texas. Either I am or I ain't. Either I'm saved or I ain't. However, over time, his desire is for me to become more like him. We call that sanctification. In other words, that doesn't mean that I grow a long beard and wear a robe. What it means is that my thoughts, my actions, my words... The way I operate, the way I treat other people becomes more like Him. And my old habits and all of those things, my addictions, all of the words that come out of my, all of those things become more like Christ than who I was. So that was justification, salvation. What He wants is sanctification now. So now, after salvation, everyone needs sanctification, a cleansing process from our habits. Bad thinking, wrong motives, change of habits, change of direction of life, because while our eternal standing changes immediately when we accept Christ, we go from death to life, the rest of our being must go through a lifelong process of growing in obedience and righteousness. The day when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, eternally everything changed. But people around me had to see a change over time. With me on that all of a sudden i started making some choices but if i stubbed my toe still the wrong thing was gonna come out of my mouth you know what i mean there had to be a change of habits uh, when, when i when i got saved i had an alcohol problem i, I was a, a, an alcoholic matter of fact the day i gave my life to christ i was sitting on my front porch with a hangover smoking a cigarette but in the moment after i gave my life to christ that day the next day i did not stop so actually god delivered me immediately from drinking but I had to wear nicotine patches and all this stuff to quit smoking because I had to go from justification to now sanctification. This ceremony here in Leviticus chapter 14 is a foreshadow of Jesus, the living word of God and his sanctifying work in our lives as a high priest and also some of the role that he has turned over to us. Just so you'll know, 1 Peter chapter 2 tells us that we are all part of the priesthood, even though you have a pastor. And it begins by addressing the fact that this is the cleansing of a person who has experienced leprosy. Now, just let me clarify before we go any further, that this is indeed painting a picture of someone who has had leprosy, but the leprosy's done. They were healed. Remember, the priest went out to verify outside the camp that they were healed before they were let in among the people. Now, watch this. Look at verse 2 again. I'm going to have him put that up there on the screen. This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall look. And if the case of the leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed. The person first had to be healed before they could go forward in cleansing according to the law. This is a spiritual picture of a person who is already saved but must now go on to a life of sanctification. You see, if you go back and study through Scripture, almost without exception, there are a couple of things that are, are, are types for us. For example, uh, Egypt. If you go back and look at Egypt in Scripture, if you replace the word Egypt with, and just put it, put this in, it's my life before Jesus. In other words, The children of Israel were in Egypt. They were slaves. Pharaoh was a type of the devil, and I was a slave to the devil. But God sent a deliverer. Moses was a type of Christ, and that deliverer brought me up out of Egypt, my old life, crossed the Red Sea into the promised land, uh, in the wilderness on the way to the promised land. That is where we are today. So anytime you see in Scripture that Egypt put my life before Christ, and look at the picture that God paints for you. Also, if you look in Scripture, when you see leprosy, Look at sin. Sin is what keeps us. Sin is the very thing that keeps us separated from the community of God's people eternally. I am an I'm outside. If I am a leper spiritually, I am outside of God's camp eternally in heaven. You with me? Okay, so watch this. Watch this. So if those if leprosy always represents sin, lepers were not allowed in the community. You and I as spiritual lepers were not allowed into his community. The healing from leprosy was not the end. For a person who surrenders their life to Jesus Christ, realizing that they need a Savior to take away their sin, in that moment of surrender, you are healed from your spiritual leprosy. In other words, death is no longer imminent. Before I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I was a spiritual leper. I was, death was imminent eternally. But now when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, he came outside of the camp to get me. To bring me back into fellowship, into community eternally with Him, so while it begins by talking about the disease of leprosy, it's talking about a person who has already been healed from their leprosy and is now going forward to become cleansed, Uh To become cleansed, they're already saved. Now they're being uh, sanctified. So here's the thing. Watch this. The priest was then to minister to them uh, by taking these two birds. Now these two birds were to be alike and they were to be alive. And they were to go through this ceremonial process for this person to be free. Now watch this, two, two birds. The two birds had to be alike. And I'm i explain to you why that's significant. When Jesus came, he had to come in human form. I'll explain to you why. God is not like a, a spoiled brat kid that when man lo- God gave man in the garden authority, he gave them access to relationship with him, and he gave them domination over the entire earth. They gave up that domination because of the weakness of the human flesh. So God didn't just take his ball and go home and say, I'm going to do something different. God is a just God. And since the, the, the authority of humanity and the access to God of humanity was lost in the human flesh, God had to send human flesh to get it back. What was lost through the sin of human flesh had to be won back through the righteousness of human flesh. So when it says here that there are two birds had to be alike, it's a picture of Jesus who came like one of us, who walked among us, who lived among us, and it says here that the first bird was to be killed and the second bird was to be later released. Now, the the first bird's blood, that blood was allowed to drip into this pot, this vessel of water, and it's not hard for us to see. That the blood of the first bird represented the Jesus Christ on the cross. Who came in the likeness of man in human flesh. So the priest was to mingle the blood of the first bird into this vessel. Get this image in your mind. It's very powerful. He would get the, kill this, uh, this first uh, bird. And the blood would drip in the water that was in this clay pot. And, and the combination of these two. The blood and the water. Were then sprinkled by the high priest. Onto the leprous person. Now Remember. You and I represent the leprous person who has been healed, okay? Now watch this. So they would get this this piece of of wood, and then they would get these birds on it, and then and and, and the hyssop is like cotton, and would wrap it with a, a scarlet thread, and what he would do is he would get that that thing that he just created out of the blood and the and the I mean out of the bird and the yarn and the wood, and he would dip it into this pot that had the pure water and the blood from the bird that was dead. And he would pull it out, and he would sprinkle it on the leprous person seven times. Now watch this. Notice that it was a combination of the two. This is the reason why. Watch this. No matter what I am preaching in my church on a Sunday morning, i bring it back to the cross at the end for people to have the opportunity to be saved. Uh, because while it might seem like something, nothing to the naked eye, when, you, when Pastor Benito is up here, there are some weeks, like I said earlier, where you're excited, some weeks you're quiet, but no matter what it is, there's something significant going on behind the scene. Watch this. Because behind the scenes, in the spirit realm, when we pull back the curtain like that picture that I showed you, we should all imagine that your pastor is like the Old Testament priest and he's sprinkling the blood and the water on the people, Um. We must allow the power of the blood and the water to have its full effect in our lives. The picture that is painted here for us is a picture of the sanctification following the justification of a believer. Notice that it was the blood was just not the blood. It was not just the water. It was the combination of the two. Watch this. The word of God, uh, the pure water, Ephesians chapter 5 tells us, will not have the same cleansing effect on a person who has not been healed of their spiritual leprosy. You can talk about it all you want because they are not in faith, they are not in covenant. The reason is because God ordained both to work together when the Word of God is preached, the blood and the water. But when a saved person can experience all that God desires for them to experience, if they are not willing, they cannot experience it, if they're not willing to allow the pure water to continually be sprinkled, Now watch this. When a person who is saved, who is already a Christian, sits in church under the true preaching of the word of God, which your pastor does, the blood and the water are having their full effect in a church service. Um, When when we look at the the crucifixion scene back in John chapter 19, when Jesus was on the cross, once again, God orchestrated the events even to the tiniest details so that the guards would be ordered not. To break his legs. um, Because he was already dead. But so that the prophecy would be fulfilled. To the most infinite detail. According to Psalms. Not one of his bones was broken. But instead when they found him. He was already dead. And the guard did what he did not do to the other criminals. He did not stab anybody else. There is nothing recorded in history. That a guard stabbed a criminal that was on the cross. They always broke their legs to speed up their death. But he did to Jesus. What had never been to anybody else. And God through the act of stabbing Jesus. Showed us a very powerful truth. And they are witness. Because in that moment. Out of the living word of God. Jesus Christ himself. Came forth both the water. And the blood that flowed from his side. As the living word of God. Was indeed dead by his own choosing but had within himself the blood that saves our souls and heals our spiritual leprosy, and his word cleanses us and washes us as he sanctifies us day after day, week after week, month after month, and together with the Spirit all three testify that Jesus was without a doubt the promised one, the great high priest, the sprinkling the water uh, of the word, uh, one like us who shed his blood, and therefore... You and I as Christians are covered in the blood and then we are allowed to go free from our spiritual leprosy but still to continue in the process of sanctification day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, and you can imagine the impact that goes on behind the scenes as your pastor is up here on a Sunday morning. He can be talking about anything, and all of a sudden, imagine pulling back the curtain, and he's just slinging the blood, and he's slinging the water, and as he's preaching about any topic, it doesn't matter, but the blood is being slung, and there are people that can be saved in the same service while you're being sanctified in the same service. See, God's word's amazing to me. And here's the thing. Oftentimes, what will happen is people will come to church, they'll experience the goodness of God, and they end up saying, okay, I got it. And then they go do something different. But that's just the beginning. And it doesn't matter what songs the worship team is singing. It doesn't matter what Benito is preaching. It doesn't matter. Because God has ordained that in that process he can be talking about tithing. And it'd be real quiet in this room maybe. But people can get saved. And people can be sanctified. And whatever the case may be because the great high priest has ordained him to sling the blood and to sling the water. Because the living word of God my prayer regularly on Sunday mornings is Lord, help me to sling it. Help me to sling it, Lord. Lord, help me to sling it. Help me to sling the water. Help me to sling the blood. Because there's going to be some people in that place today that need the blood first. But then there's many other people that need that continual sanctification. And every time you read reading your Bible, sanctifying, the word of God is dead to somebody who's still in leprosy. But all of a sudden, to somebody who's alive, they've been healed, and they're brought back into the fellowship, then there's living water, the living water that cleanses us and washes us according to Ephesians chapter 5. And so every next Sunday when Pastor Benito comes back, he'll be here tonight, I guess, be back home tonight. See, I want to challenge you. Every time he gets up here, sling it, Pastor. Sling it, Benito. Sling it. And he goes, what? Just do it. He'll be, he'll be mad at me, but it's okay. We've been friends a long time. He'll get over it. Just sling it, B. Sling it. So we call him B. Anyway, whatever. I want you to stand to your feet, and I'm going to finish service. I want to pray over you. This is important why, why I pray this over you. Because First Peter chapter 2, this is important that you understand this. That we are called the royal priesthood because of Christ. You know, when, when Jesus gave the Great Commission, you can go read it in Mark chapter 16. Matthew chapter 28, he said, go into all the world and preach the good news to every creature. Now, many people have misunderstood that that meant just to the apostles. But the book of 1 Corinthians tells us that in that moment there were over 500 people that were listening. In other words, it's a commission for all of us. And so in the, that, that scripture with many others, and in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says that we are his royal priesthood that we all, and so while the office of the pastor exists and is important as your leader, God has called you to also sling the blood and sling the water. As you're at work and as you're sharing your faith and as you're sharing a story about what God has done in your life, you're slinging the blood and you're slinging the water. And through that, there are people that are going to come to know Jesus because of your testimony and because you're sharing the word of God, Because not because you're pastor, but because you also are part of the royal priesthood. And so God wants to use you, but you've got to be willing to open up your mouth in moments. You've got to be willing to lay aside your pride. You've got to be willing to lay aside your discomfort and say, God, use me. You've said I'm part of your royal priesthood, so God, use me. Bring a moment to me where I can tell somebody about you, where I can share a story about what you've done in my life and watch what God will do. But you've got to be willing to open up your mouth. And even in moments when it doesn't seem like anything happened, pull back the curtain. And just remember, you're slinging it, slinging it, slinging it. Thanks again for listening to the Freedom Church Podcast. We hope that you were inspired and motivated to continue to grow in your faith. Don't forget to subscribe and share with others.